you know, if you would have asked me six months ago or maybe even six years ago, what do you think about social media? I would have balked at it a little bit, made fun of it, and just said that it was a place where people are there to show off. But something happened about a year or so ago where I changed my perspective on it. And I found really fascinating people that didn't live anywhere close to me. People that were on the other side of the world that I was being inspired by. And so one day I reached out and our guest today responded back and we had a conversation from different sides of the country and she agreed to come on to episode 54 and we had one of the most enjoyable, fun, vibrant conversations. In fact, that was the first time on the Evolve podcast that we had an actual on live air proposal from my co-host to the guest. (laughs) (laughs) And we're really fortunate she's back with us today. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Joining us from Oberlin, Ohio, not only is he the most interesting man that I know, but baby, he's back. He is boxing, and he is coaching people in boxing. This brand new hip has turned him back into the bionic man that we always knew he was. W. Miles Riley, welcome. I love the picked punches. up a new client last night. <clears throat> Went out to this 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 bar and was talking to some people, and one woman walked by and said, "Oh, that's my boxing coach." And this other woman said, "I want to box with him." <laughs> Just like that. There you go. That's all it takes. It's uh, word of mouth. Yeah, when you coached boxing before, you filled up uh, your schedule very quickly. Yeah, especially in a small town now. Yeah, I love that. You make great food and you punch. Uh, you teach people how to punch. Well, it's somewhere lost. How to punch. Also, hold on, hold on, also, hold on. I am playing piano for my ex-wife's um, student dance project. Oh, right on. So, so, so you, on third Mondays and Thursdays, I've been going to the dance studio with the dancers and the other musicians working on music for this upcoming piece on April, the weekend of April 26th. So for those of our listeners who have not heard our episode with Gay Hendricks, I want you to go back and listen to that. Gay wrote a book uh, where he talks about taking the big leap and overcoming some of your upper limit problems. And we talked about Miles getting out in front of people playing and now here's the manifestation, the evolution of it. So yeah, it's <laughs> exciting to hear. Well, somewhere in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. And like I mentioned in the intro, uh, social media for me has been something that has changed because I've been able to meet some really fascinating people from all over the world. And we are really fortunate. Our guest from episode 55 or 54, Irina Ivanchenko, has joined us once again. Irina started her path in fitness with yoga, completing 500-hour yoga teacher training in India and then did two. 200 hours in Mexico. She also participated in various yoga workshops all over the world, including the USA, Mexico, Latin America, Europe, and India. Teaching yoga classes worldwide since 2013 in English, Spanish, and Russian. 
that's fascinating to me. I barely speak English, I and Arena speaks <laughs> <I know>. three <laughs> languages very fluently. <laughs> so in 2018, Irina came to Saudi Arabia, and since then she has been constantly developing, educating, and upgrading herself as a fitness professional. At the moment, she is using different approaches and tools to help her clients reach their goals, such as nutrition, personal training, yoga, mat and reformer Pilates, biomechanics, and functional neurology. She believes in intelligent fitness training and that nutrition is the future. Irina, thank you so much for joining us on the other side of the world. Or I guess we're on the other side, depending on how your perspective is. (laughs) So great to have you back. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Maide. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. And just being here and listening to your voice and seeing you, obviously, because I can see you, makes me so happy. Well, we're... Excited what to have you. You look beautiful and vibrant. Uh, yeah. now, now it's 8.40 p.m. on the wow. other side of the world. Eight, wow. So 8.40 p.m. on what day? Is it Saturday uh, or Sunday? Today is Saturday. Saturday. Oh, okay. Saturday. okay. All right. So we're sitting at about Still 11.40 uh, a.m. on Saturday. I'm at, I'm at 1.40 p.m. Oh, there you go. We're time traveling here, <laughs> baby. We're time so, traveling. So, you know, so what this really means is, Steve, I'm your future, and Erin is both of our futures. Yes. <laughs> I like both of our futures. I, I, <laughs> that's great. Well, Irina, thanks so much for coming. Like. Yeah, thanks for so much for coming back on. Uh, it's so great to have you back. Um, one of the things that I've noticed over the past uh, – several months in particular, is you have really taken on this uh, approach of educating people on social media about practical, uh, effective ways to exercise, right? And one of the things that I love that you're doing consistently is showing up and saying, hey, here are things that people say or do, but let's challenge that. Let's question it. Here's the right way to do it. And this has become a foundation for you where you really talk about what are the effective doses of exercise? What's the smart way to exercise? And there's not just one way. Can you talk a little bit about the approach that you're taking with your clients? Yes. Um, more like because I, uh, I started to study functional neurology about two years ago. And my, what is it? It's about the brain-based approach uh, it's about our software and how it impacts our hardware. Um, so the more I, I, I started to learn about it, the more I started to realize that there is, it's a new way of uh, dealing with people, of training people. And as a coach, for example, I had uh, one client, a girl, and I was training her around three months. And uh, the basic uh, machine gym stuff. And uh, from what I was giving her, she should have been much better than from what she has been looking. And I started questioning like my approach, my exercises, is it like, is it working? Is it not working? So what I did, I took the weight off. I took the, I eliminated, let's say 70% of the machine. And I loaded that 70% with the mobility exercises. 
and 30% weight, but much less. You will not believe, Steve, in like four or five weeks, she had, she had dramatic results. Uh, her posture improved. She, uh, her, height, her height, she became taller, like four centimeters taller. That's wow. around eight inches taller. Wow. Eight inches taller. So, which made me think and question, like, is there an effective dose of exercise? Because, you know, nowadays everyone is an expert and everyone thinks I cannot screw it up. Right. You know, and everyone is screwing it up. Yes. Everyone is screwing it up. So <laughs> and I you can agree spot more. that only. Yeah, and you can spot that only if if you have years and the background of training people, and you train your eyes to see what you see and 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 to to notice what you notice. So it's and the effective exercise. I believe exercise is like the medicine. Uh, you will not be taking 40 pills of Panadol to treat your headache. <laughs> that is such no. a great... Is that a, is that a problem? <laughs> is that a problem? Miles like, I take 40 pills a day. Uh, <laughs> might, might be a problem. Might be a problem. <laughs> Houston, you have a problem. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neither you will scratch the surface of the pill and take that powder from the panadol because it won't work. It will, it will be too, uh, the minuscule amount, yeah? So you need to find the dose that is efficient for you. Might be one, might be two pills. So in some cases, strength is not an answer. In some cases, mobility is not the answer. In some cases, the stability is better. In some, stability and mobility is better. In some, in some strength does help. So um, I believe it's very personal and it should be treated personally with each and every individual. And I also, um, if, you, if you don't mind, I, was, I also want to talk about them. A mild situation, you had a hip replacement, correct? Yeah, yep. Um, how is it going? Uh, wonderfully, wonderfully. Uh, I started, I started my yoga practice again. Um, I've been, I walk every day a couple of miles. You know, they tell me to keep walking, uh -huh. and then I do um, stabil a lot of stability work uh, with that side. Well, both sides, but I, fo I focus on the side that just got the surgery. And uh, how long has it been since you had, uh, had it? January 16th. January so right now, this, this yeah. year. Yeah, so it's it's almost, it's a little over three months now. And you are able to walk and you are recovering. Oh yeah, I'm walking, I'm Bravo. doing yoga, I'm boxing again. Bravo. Uh, so, uh, if I may ask, uh, of course. do I look funny? Do is, you... it, is it? Is no, no, wrong? no, 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 Does... no, no, no. It doesn't, uh, hip, uh, replacement. Right. Uh, why do you think it happened? Why do I don't you think know. the hip started acting out? I don't know. You know, it's funny that you would ask that because the doctors, when they were looking at x-rays, one of the first things they asked me was, did I have a trauma, something mm -hmm. that happened?
happen, you know, uh, falling down, something jarring, and I didn't. Now, the one thing that they said about my hip is not only did I have a bad hip, but I also had what they call a vascular necrosis, All right? Okay. So, so that the, and you know, every once in a while, before the surgery, I could feel my feet tingling because the blood wasn't circulating as far down. Mm-hmm. So all I know is I had the, the bad hip where it was bone on bone. I had, uh, they, they suspected also some avascular necrosis, but all of the things that I read about that caused this type of thing, I hadn't experienced any of it. So the only thing I thought was possibly if this exists, a general wear and tear or the body being um, unbalanced. So a lot of work was being done on that hip to create that degeneration. That's the only thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. So you, you, said, you just said it, body being unbalanced. Yeah. How was your balance? My balance is good. But I do remember this, and, and I don't know if it had anything to do with it. I remember taking videos of me squatting. And when I put the camera on from behind, and you see me coming up, it, it looked like, you know, when police see a, a driver who's had a couple of drinks and he or she's driving from <laughs> side to side. Mm-hmm. You're drunk squatting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. drunk squatted. Drunk squatter. <laughs> So and yeah, it and it was it was it took a while because it was really subtle, but I would see this kind of shifting side to side as I was coming up. It was never a smooth movement straight up, and I never paid attention to it, thinking that it was a problem. So that could be it. I don't know. So when you were like let's say wriggling, was that starting from the ankles and feet, from the knees, from the hips, or whole body hips. was like doing? Hips. Hips. And, from the and hips. it wasn't, and Irina, it wasn't wiggling. It was drug squatting. <laughs> 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 I love that. Because I see that a lot. I see that a lot. It's a very common yeah, problem. A, yeah. I love that term. Yeah. I, I was a drunk squatter. How is your balance now after surgery? Because you mentioned you are doing, you, you are doing a lot of stability work. I, so... Interestingly enough, I've always had really great balance. I've had great balance and great stability, you know, in doing certain types of exercises and, you know, so right now my balance is fine. Um, you know, as the doctor said, so I'm still healing, you know, the, the right, mm-hmm. my right hip, right around the surgical area, right around that is still numb. I just saw the doctor a couple of days ago. So he said, that's natural. He said, because the way they move the nerve. So he, so he said, there's no problem there. So it's the, that leg is still a little unstable, but I do a lot of band work, A, a B, and A deduction, um, mm-hmm. um, standing on wobble pads or unstable surfaces to create more balance. So like I said, it's, it's only three, 12 weeks, 13 weeks out. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have Hell, to look like uh, you're about to tell me to go to the emergency room right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm asking you because this is how, this is how uh, do- doctors treat the, the, the issue. They make okay. x-ray, they make 
MRI only. If you come to them with the hip, they would only take the X-ray MRI of the hip, but they will not look into your feet. Oh, are I'll they say. pronated? Are they supinated? How are your feet? Right. How is the function of your feet? Because the feet area holds a lot of muscles and yeah. joints and connections. So do you ever do ankle mobility exercises? I do now. I've never done them before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very crucial to your recovery uh, to see this, like the whole picture, not only one element from the structure, like, like if your basement, if the basement in the house is not well done, all the whole, all the cracks in the wall will be appearing and you will be just trying to cover them, but it will not save the situation. You need to work with the basement, with the base. You know, what's, what's interesting, um, what's really interesting about what you're saying is years ago, and when I say years, this could be 45 years ago, I remember going to a, a podiatrist to look at my feet um, he was uh, fitting me for orthotics and he had a, a replica model of the skeletal system, but it was arranged in a way that showed what happened, the chain effect that would happen when your arches collapse. So the arch collapses, the, 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 knee the, uh, goes the in. ankle, then the mm -hmm. ankle goes, um, and then all the way up to your hip to create yeah. this one chain of movement be, based on one thing happening at your feet. So yeah. I do, it's interesting you're saying this because this happened, um, I remember this like literally 40, 45 years ago, going to a podiatrist because my, my arches had collapsed. So he was um, fitting me for an orthotic and he showed me a diagram of that. And that always stuck with me. I don't, you know, I don't, know if it created any problems, but that example stuck with me that that chain starting at your arch could literally work itself all the way up to your hips and it, your spinal column. It, absolutely. Yeah. So 45 years ago, did you do the treatment for your arches? I didn't get a treatment for that. He just gave me, he, he fitted me for putting my feet in a plaster this kind of mold and he created mm -hmm. an arch support for me. And I, you know, I've been often on arch supports, um, tweaking them ever since. So I, love, I love the look you, on Irina's face as you're talking, because this is, I, <laughs> I, I can relate so much to this. These are the questions I ask clients and they, I have that same face. And every once in a while I think to myself, <laughs> Oh yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting yeah. for her to say you've miles, so I, you have six months. To I love this for <laughs> no, our no, listeners. No. This is, I, I just want to put some context here before we, before you keep going on these questions, arena, these are the questions that if you are not getting asked these questions by your fitness professional, then you're sitting in the wrong office. You are sitting with the wrong person. The questions that Irina as is asking are, the questions that should be asked by a health and fitness professional to help to uncover why you are struggling with the problems that you're struggling with. So Irina, keep yeah. going. Thank you, Steve. Yes, so Miles, you basically want to say your arches, they were supported some, uh, like, let's say, 
some part of the time by, by the artificial uh, arches in your shoes. Right. And the other part of the time, you just didn't do anything for your arches. Right. So there was no, there was no functional or exercise that I would do for my arches at all. Mm -hmm. uh, how are your arches at the moment? Um, they seem to be fine. They, it's, it's almost as if an arch grew because mm -hmm. I've been wearing them for so long so that my foot has reshaped. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that, that's very cool that you are doing ankle mobility. And I would suggest that you do the actual exercises for the arches of the feet. For example, you can place a napkin on the wall, uh, place the foot on top of it, and with your toes, try to grab it all the way below oh, the yeah, foot. Okay. It will okay. activate all the muscles and of course the small balls uh, a tennis ball even to put it below the arches of the feet and massage uh, like oh, I, I do that do all the time yeah that's so good I do that all the I've been doing that for years ever since lifetime fitness lifetime fitness started with a, uh, a racquetball and I, I'm mm -hmm. I'm addicted to that I think an important I also, thing, Irina, that you're bringing up here is, you know, Miles had hip surgery. And as you mentioned before, most doctors will look at the problem. They'll, they'll identify where the acute issue is, but they're not looking upstream or downstream to determine where did it come from and what happened the cause, to yeah, cause it. The cause. Right? Yeah. yeah, the cause. What was the cause? Far too many times we go through life and uh, are not looking at what the actual cause is. We go to the pain and we say, oh, the, that, that's where the pain is. And so that's the problem. Well, that's not the problem. The problem is rarely where the pain is. I'm not saying that it's never there, yeah. right? But it's rarely where the yeah. problem is. The pain just tells us that somewhere in your body, you have an imbalance, you have an asymmetry, you have something that you've adapted away from. And so now you've created an improper biomechanical movement. And so now you have pain in that new area. Walk our listeners yeah. through this is I absolutely love this questioning that you've been through with uh, Miles. Walk our listeners a little bit more through this idea of the integration. Why is it so important for people to understand the integration of the entire body, or as we call it, the entire kinetic chain, right? So the entire movement chain from the feet, the ankles, the knees, the hips, all the way up into the uh, shoulders and the neck. Why is that so important? Uh, the way how I, uh, I explain it to my clients, the people I work with, as you said, pain is not necessarily where the problem is. And pain is actually a uh, signal to action. Pain is not yes. a curse. Love that. Pain is not a curse. Pain is a signal. Mm -hmm. Pain is a signal from your brain. Somewhere, as you said, in the kinetic chain, somewhere in your movement, you are not efficient and mm -hmm. you move very poorly. So your brain detects that. And the first job of your brain is survival. The first job of your brain is yes. to make you safe. Yes. So the brain detects that you move very poorly 
very stupidly, I would say. And the job of the brain is to keep you alive. So what does the brain do? It, it sends you pain to immobilize you, to yes. stop you from moving like you were moving before and give you the signal change. Pain is the action signal to change. If you have pain, it means you have to change something. And what is that that you have to change? You need to figure that out. By, you can do that by yourself or you can seek professional help. I love that. I, one of the things I tell my clients all the time is the body is fascinating and amazing. It's also really stupid. So I love how you said that it's, <laughs> it, that it's stupid because it will move away from something that it thinks will cause it problems, right? It, it's very adaptable. So the body will move away from something that is creating an issue or that it thinks is going to create an issue. But it does so in a very stupid way. It doesn't, and it never goes back and cleans up its uh, um, stuff, right? It's like the, the little kid that's sitting at the table and eats and the crumbs go everywhere. And then they're like, okay, I'm done. And they leave. The body does the same thing. The body will move you away into a different uh, movement pattern. And then it says, okay, we're good. Just keep moving like that. And then you keep moving like that. And then a year later, you got hip pain. And then two years later, you got low back pain. And then three years later, you got uh, shoulder pain. And then you got to get shoulder surgery. And it all started back from whatever it was, your ankles or your hips, right? So well, it's But why very, are we saying the body is stupid, stupid. though? Why, why is not that stupid? St- yeah, I don't understand why, the word stupid. Like, <laughs> go ahead, Erin. Brain is not stupid. Brain is very smart. Yes. Brain needs to protect you from yourself. Protect our yep. brain. I it, know, but it you needs guys were to saying protect the, us from. But you guys were saying the body is stupid, <laughs> and the, what the body is actually doing is getting you. It is. It's creating a new pattern, getting you out of pain, even um, though that new pattern is eventually becomes the problem. Yeah, right? so yeah, why, yeah. Why is, I'd love to get your ahead. I'd love to get your perspective on it, Arena. Um, body is not like I, I would support Steve uh, in uh, that he says body is stupid in the sense that we are inefficient. We have inefficient movement patterns. In some movement areas, we we move very inefficiently, very poorly. Yeah. Our quality of movement is very poor. Because, because uh, maybe hundreds of years ago, our ancestors, they were gods of movement. We are not. Mm, yeah. Because we sit hours in front of the screens. We need to drive, we need to do this, that, plus the technology. So we are not as our ancestors. And we need to develop better movement patterns and, and work on the quality of movement patterns. And unfortunately, the gym culture that is big and that is present it you, uh, just shows us that you can just go into the gym, pop on the machine, pump your muscles, and that's it, yeah? Without yeah. taking into consideration your spine, your hips, your ankles, your everything, which is so that, crucial. That, doesn't that put us in a really interesting conundrum? Because what you're saying, and I, I agree with, if I'm, I'm going to make an assumption about what you're saying, and yeah. that is we need to address things before they happen. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. But if nothing is happening, you don't know anything is wrong. So even uh, a person who go even a person who goes to uh I, you know I agree with the whole idea of 
we, we, we basically are in flexion all the time. There's, unless you go to a yoga class or the gym, there's yeah. nothing that puts you in extension in real life. Right. Nothing yeah. extends you, you know, unless you're happy to see somebody, you start back in, you go for the hug, but nothing, nothing extends us. So we are consistently in a flex position, driving, holding things. But if somebody doesn't sense that that can become an issue down the line and they feel fine, they don't know that consistently being in that position is eventually going to create some problems. Right. And then by the time it gets to the point, like with my hip, by the time it gets to the movement pattern gets to my hip, the doctor's looking at the consequence of false movements, but those false movements have led to that. So he or she is not going to address, oh, you have this faulty movement pattern. The faulty movement pattern has already created this larger issue, which was the hip. So how do we start to get people? I'd like to ask you, how do we start to get people to start to address their movement patterns, how they, their posture when they go to a gym and say, I want to start from there. I want to, pre it's like becoming preventive. Yeah. How many, okay, so how do we prevent it? How many of us do three or five minutes mobility warm-up before the gym session? Probably very few. Very few, yeah. Very few. Yeah, yeah. What is three minutes in your one-hour workout? Right. <laughs> so small. No. I, you, you know, I have... um. When, when I was going to physical therapy and they would have me stand on one leg and it was wobbling, the physical therapist thought it was from the surgery. And it just dawned on me that I never have really trained in a serious way, A, B, and A deduction. Mm. So, because I, I told her, I kept telling the physical therapist, I'm not feeling it at the area of the surgery. I'm feeling my glute minor and I'm feeling my adductors, that's doing all the work because they are so under-trained. And now that I've been doing them regularly, uh, A, B, and A deduction using bands, my hips feel tremendously stable. Mm. So you are developing new movement patterns. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Unfortunately, not all the people do that. I, I, at the moment, I had a client who had nine surgeries, nine wow. on his knee, nine, wow. nine. He on came with acute on one knee. Oh my gosh. He came with, he, I, I was given a reformer pilates session. He came to the session and he had acute pain in his knee joint and he yeah. said, Let's do the upper body. <laughs> so probably he is moving towards surgery number 10 and yeah. he is going to do what he was doing before. Some people, their goal is like, doctor, uh, give me surgery, give me pills, do whatever, just I want to go, to go back to what I was doing, what yeah. you were doing. I was doing like uh, four body attack classes per day. Okay, mm. fine. 
your brain detected that you are in the, you're like endangering yourself <laughs> you're yeah. gonna kill yourself yeah. Yeah. on one of those classes so the brain send you a signal of act of change your pain change this and you are not changing that and you are insisting so sometimes people don't uh, don't want to change I like how you said though, what, how, and I'm not quite sure how you asked that question. What is three minutes in your hour workout? Is that how you asked it? One hour. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What is three minutes? I mean, literally you think about that, that what percentage of your workout and take three minutes in your day. How much time is that? It's nothing. I mean, I, one of the things I do with my clients are in it. Uh, and I know that you're a fan of this concept too, is I talk to them about every day they have hygienic practices, right? They have hygiene. They take a shower, they brush their mm -hmm. teeth, they floss their teeth, they comb their hair, whatever. So I said, you, you're doing those things every day, right? Yes. I, I've never had anybody tell me no. Um, although some of them, I would challenge them on it, how often they're doing the hygiene. Um, <laughs> but I say, so think about it like this. We're going to implement fitness hygiene. And essentially, I want you to just carve out five to 10 minutes every day. And we're going to change your fitness hygiene as we go along, as your body adapts. Right now, we might be working on the feet and ankle, right? Uh, later on, we're going to be working through the hip. It doesn't It's going to change as your body tells us that it needs to change. But five to 10 minutes a day is probably a good hygienic practice. So if we put that in, everybody could do that. And if you're brushing your teeth a couple times a day, you could probably do it a couple times a day, right? So if we're working the feet and the mm -hmm. ankles in the morning, we could probably work the feet and ankles again at night for five to 10 minutes. And that makes such an impact over time. You made a couple of comments earlier I want to come back to as well, though. Um, you talked about beautiful movement. And this is something I think we were messaging back and forth on, uh, I, I believe, Instagram. I, I think is where you put it up because I follow you on TikTok and Instagram. It, it was Instagram because it was uh, pictures that you were putting up of mm -hmm. soccer mm -hmm. players. And you yeah. were highlighting the difference between beautiful movement and maybe less beautiful movement, uh, less mm -hmm. effective movement between two mm -hmm. soccer players. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that whole idea of creating beautiful movement. Get your body to mm -hmm. the point where you can move beautifully. You know, I've had uh, tight hips and uh, for, you know, for years and years until I started really addressing some of the issues um, with my feet and ankles and then going up to my knees and my hips. And in the past couple of years, as I go out snowboarding, I find that as I'm making turns and my hips just move in a different way, I'm like, oh, that felt beautiful. And if I watch video of myself riding now, my extension is so much different than it used to be. And everything feels more fluid. Can you walk our listeners through um, that reference that you were talking about of beautiful movement and the soccer players and walk them through this whole idea of why the proper dosage of strength, why the proper dosage of mobility, why the proper dosage, depending on where they're at right now, is so critical to creating beautiful movement. Yeah, uh, it was so satisfying to listen to your story about snowboarding. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I was just... <laughs> it felt satisfying. And uh, I'm telling you, about two weeks ago when we yeah. went, I just, it was the best that it's ever been. I mean, it just, it continues to improve and it feels so amazing. And to be able to answer your question, let me ask you the question. What did you do? How many times per week? Uh, how, oh. or how long did, did you do ankle mobility? Like... Yeah, great question. So I I will do mobility daily, um, and sometimes it's only five minutes. So I follow the practice that I teach my clients, maybe five to ten minutes a day. It really depends. But I have also implemented mobility in with almost everything I do. So let me give you a couple of examples. The first thing is if I'm sitting and I'm talking to somebody, I will be kind of moving around and I'll be playing with a spot in wherever that's tight. If I'm standing talking to somebody, I'll be aware of based on how I, you know, woke up and sat in meditation or reading in the morning, how my hips or how my back or how my neck feels. And so if I'm sitting talking to somebody, I can maintain this posture where we can have a conversation or if I'm standing and talking, I can maintain that posture and stretch at the same time, and you don't even know I'm doing it. And so I'll be mm -hmm. contracting my glute and leaning into it just a little bit, and nobody even knows that I'm uh, activating in my hip flexor to uh, to open that up. So it's now become something that I just do, uh, I would say, almost all the time. The other thing I do is because I love lifting weights, I, I really enjoy uh, the process of lifting and uh, and training in the gym, I found that I can get better results if I stretch in between sets, but I do something different than what I'm working. So for instance, if it's a day where let's say I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm doing a, a chest press or I'm doing a bench press or I'm doing a pull-up. Uh, so if I'm doing a pull-up, I'm not stretching my lats afterwards if, if I don't feel like they need to, because I, it gets the full, I get the full range of motion. But I may be doing a hip flexor stretch, or I may be going into my foot ankle complex and doing some uh, work through there. I might be putting a band around uh, my knee and going into uh, a deeper stretch to open up the, the joint, just wherever it's uh, tight. So I've found that if I'm going to rest in between sets, which you should do metabolically to you know recover, mm -hmm. So if I'm doing pull-ups and let's say that I throw some weight on and I'm doing six repetitions uh, with a 25, 30-pound, 35-pound uh, plate attached to my waist, I need to rest. Uh, there, it might take me 60 to 90 seconds uh, to recover from that so that I can do the same reps the next time. So that gives me 60 to 90 seconds in between each one of those uh, movements that I can go into some sort of mobility. It doesn't make me tired. doesn't wear me out. And I get the mobility in. And when you add that up in terms of minutes uh, throughout my training, that just has created this skyrocketing mobility for me. Mm -hmm. So it, mm -hmm. it really is compounded. So that's kind of, I've step-by-step, I've step, I do my daily hygiene. And then I will, throughout the day, implement. And then I put it into my gym workouts as well. Mm -hmm. What happens if you don't do mobility on some days? Um, oh, it depends. It, it does. So it depends. And I think this might even come back to like the neurological piece uh, and how the brain functions. 
if I'm not doing it, but I am, let's say about a month or yeah, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were in uh, San Diego, California. We're out there uh, walking around, going to the coffee shops, laying on the beach. I didn't do any mobility. I uh, didn't think about it. We just wandered around. And so what happened then was I felt like every muscle in my body was melting. And I walked with ease. I sat in the coffee shop, totally relaxed. I went to uh, the beach and melted on the sand. And so when my mind and my soul were relaxed, everything was relaxed. Now, if I don't do it on a day Mm -hmm. where I have the normal stress of business and uh, just, you know, interactions with family, friends, whatever, uh, then I tend to be a little bit tighter. But it it all depends Mm -hmm. on what my psyche is and what I'm doing. So if there's not a lot of external stressors, then I, I feel okay. I don't know that I necessarily quote unquote need it for that day. But if I am in the day to day, then I generally will balance those things out. Okay. So uh, going back to professional soccer players and the the beauty of their movement, uh, it goes to the quality of their movement. So what they do they do more or less same moves mm-hmm. over and over again until it becomes perfection. Yes. So, uh, and and I believe that all of us, that we all are athletes, we all are, are moving. Uh, some are more efficient, some are less, but we are all athletes and we are all moving. And I believe that everyone has a potential to improve. So, and especially if uh, we have some listeners who are in pain, uh, I would suggest reconsider your pain. It is a signal for change. It's a signal to action. It's a signal for change. So, um, and they, you should be in charge of your own health, of your yes. own joints, of your of your own well-being, and find someone who can help you. Not someone who looks at your x-ray and say, this is a surgery. Not necessarily everyone needs a surgery. Of course, some cases do need a surgery, but not necessarily. Uh, Like there are ways, there are ways to help uh, yourself. So professional soccer players, they all have uh, very mobile ankles, very stable knees, and mobile hips. Mm-hmm. Also, they have very good core control because if uh, when they uh, hit the ball with their foot, um, they need to have great hip uh, flexion, great mm-hmm. hip extension to be able to do that. And at the same time, great core control and strength to keep them uh, <laughs> upright and not to fall down. Uh, also, they need to have a mobility in a mid-back, mid-back, mid-spine mobility. Uh, because when you um, like turn, when you pass the ball, uh, you need to have that as well. Um, some of uh, professional soccer players, uh, as Lewandowski, for example, he's from Poland, for example, his strength is jumping. 
he can jump very high and he hits the ball while he is in the air so his his balance system he just, he mastered it so much like if you look at him uh, making the goals uh, on some videos he, <laughs> he's uh, like a batman you know like flying <laughs> hitting the ball making the goal nice <laughs> and uh, yeah uh, if you look at for example cristiano ronaldo he uh, reminds me of a gazelle he's yes. very fast he's very lean and his hips uh he works uh his hip flexion and extension his hip mobility is just beyond and if you look for example at messi leonardo messi mm -hmm. um for example if you compare messi and uh, ronaldo uh, ronaldo has a little bit less mid mid spine mobility than messi maybe because he is also he's very tall yeah. uh, right. ronaldo is tall uh, more or less Lewandowski and ronaldo they are same height Messi, he's shorter, and uh, Messi has very balanced mobility in his lower and upper body. Like if he, if you look at how he rotates and how his hips rotate, you will you will see that. And it's, a, so it's I beautiful believe... to see those. And I, I love how um, you've shared photos and broken it down on your social media before. And, and I would encourage our listeners to look at their movement. And I would encourage them to, to pay attention to what Irina is saying. Because when you watch people who have beautiful movement, everybody's body's a little bit different, right? When you're talking about the difference yeah. between uh, Ronaldo and Messi, the, they move different, but they still have beautiful movement relative to their body because of how they take care of their body and how they create that mobility. And so while one might have better mobility through the mid spine, which allows for much more extension and a full range of motion through the entire body of the entire kinetic chain, all people have the ability to move well. And I, I, I can't like clap, jump up and down, agree with you enough when you say we are all athletes. Now, we're not all soccer players. We're not all football players. We're not all baseball players. And we're not all basketball players. We're all athletes in different ways. There's a big difference. I mean, if you look at a rugby player, they are built completely different than a, uh, a marathoner, right? Absolutely. Not even close. Yes. But they're all mm -hmm. athletes. And so are we. So I absolutely I'm love that. A mom of a toddler, a mom of a toddler, she's an athlete as yes. well. Yes, <laughs> yes. Think about it. And they are so strong. And they have to be, they have to yeah. carry and rotate and, and, and yet stop the and rotation. And picking up, multi, yes. like carrying a baby in one hand, doing something, doing something with the other hand. Right. It requires a lot of strength and athleticism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's an athlete. And if you, I think if you start to think about that you are an athlete, you will train yourself in a different way because all athletes train relative to their sport, which means you have to have all aspects of wellness. 
You can't just ignore your mind. You can't just ignore your mobility. You can't ignore your nutrition. You cannot ignore any of those things. If you're an athlete, you're an athlete all in. Yes, and professional athletes have a professional advantage because they have a coach who would yes. help him, who would help them and tell them what to do, A, B, C. When when you are a newbie and you come to a gym, like which mobility are we talking about? So that's why I, I think this is so important to educate people and to question like this, the beliefs, the belief system. Achit meals, okay, or no? What kind of relationship with food is that? That's yeah, like a toxic right. relationship with yeah, who? Who are you cheating on? Right? Are, are you what? Are you a, are you a broccoli to cheat on with an, on an ice cream? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean the broccoli is going to come and uh, and yell at you for cheating on it? In their in their yeah. broccoli. Yeah. No, it's a great uh, point. Same, like think, the much. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. See. Yes. Yeah. Same. The 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 machines in the gym, it, like they are great tool and they are great instrument. But if you have been sitting eight, nine, ten hours in your office and you come to the machines and you start exercising, you like, please question it. Maybe you need just to do like basic stretch, basic mobilizing your joints before jumping and loading yourself on the weight. Because as Miles mentioned, we are all in deflection. Yes. We are all in deflection. And you go, your trapezius are overloaded, and then you go and you do shoulder press, for example. From where are you doing the press? From your trapezius or your shoulders? Yeah. Of course, from the traps. From yeah. the traps. Like what are what are we training? So, um, yeah. So I am a big advocate for questioning and finding the most efficient way, ways to train. Sorry. You bring up a you bring up an important point, and you know people. We talk about that athletes have an advantage because they have coaches. Um, yeah. There's a lot of coaches out there. I mean, let's be real. There's you can jump online, and if you have. A genetically gifted backside, um, you can put pictures of your butt on the internet and people will call you a coach, right? That's the, for Absolutely. girls, that's a definition. For guys, it's if I've got a six pack or I can build, uh, if I've got genetically gifted shoulders or pecs, like I can call myself a coach. That doesn't mean a person knows how to coach well. So I want to first recognize that education of the coach and not just Oh, I took a certification, but hey, I have experience. I've got data to back it up. Um, I mean, you think about like, what's what's the big difference between um, if I were to go online and buy an educational course and they say, well, this is an educational course is going to transform your life, uh, but they have no data to back it up. Well, we would look at that and say, yeah, that's probably not the case, right? But nobody questions Harvard University. Nobody questions going to Stanford. Nobody questions going to Oxford. They, they just say, okay, these guys have produced results for years and years, right? Centuries. So you, if you go to those places and you do what they tell you to do, you're going to get a good education. Well, coaches should be the same way. A coach should be able to show you 
data, show you people, show you what they've done before with people. They should be able to tell you stories. Hey, I had a client that did this, I was able to rehab their knee to this level. I was able to take them to this level of movement. We dropped 30 pounds, whatever it is that you're looking for. A coach needs to be able to show you the results that they can produce over and over again. And I want to talk a little bit more about this idea that while professionals do have that, um, advantage because people are paying for a coach or they're getting paid to work with a coach. Mm -hmm. The best professionals hire multiple coaches. I mean, I was not an NBA coach. I was not an Olympic coach. I was not a, uh, an NCAA coach, but all of those people, NBA players, Olympic players, NCAA players all hired me to be their coach to be the strength, to fix the issues, to solve that problem. So if our listeners think of themselves as athletes, I personally don't think there's better money that you could spend on yourself than hiring an effective coach. Learn how to do the movements the right way. Learn how to train well for your body. I love the story that you brought up at the beginning, and I want to come back to that. You had a client where you changed the percentage of strength versus mobility. Talk about those results again, because this is the power of a coach. Yes, I um, I had a client and I was training her for three months uh, in the gym, regular machines, and she was not uh, making the results, achieving the results that she should be achieving. And I started questioning, what am I doing wrong? What can I do to do to do better, to get the result? So I switched the way how I was working with my client and I gave her seven, I reduced strength component and I gave her 70% mobility, 30% strength, mm. reduced strength. And in, in uh, four or five weeks, uh, her posture has changed and uh, her, height, her height increased by eight inches. Eight inches. Eight inches. It's just amazing. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was, however, like from um, usual, yeah, and traditional perspective, like how could she do it without like uh, progressive overload, let's say, right. yeah? How could right. you do it without progressive overload? Because everyone is like progressive overload, progressive overload. Yeah, just mobility, making yeah. wonders. Because when you have <laughs> the right mobility, you have symmetry of balance. You now have a body that can handle the stress that you're putting it on. You know, if, you, if the body's not balanced and symmetrical and the joints are not functioning properly, progressive overload will just get you to an injury quicker. Yeah, and progressive overload will just uh, uh, like emphasize the imbalances that already are in your body. Right, right. Yeah. And it's not that progressive overload isn't a good thing, right? It's, it's, but yeah, it's a tool. You know, just like you have a ton of different tools in your tool belt, you're going to use different tools to get the results that you're after. Arena, you, you mentioned a, phrase earlier when you talked about our ancestors you said that our ancestors are were gods of movement and we are not because we sit. i hope so <laughs> talk talk about that i love 
that idea. They, they were gods of movement because they were moving more often. How does a person like for example, in today yeah. uh, become a god of movement? Uh, yeah, for example, my grandmother, and she's 91 years old, she never stopped her foot into the gym, never, ever. However, she has her garden, and every year she works in the garden. Mm. She's very active. Her mental focus is amazing. Her, like, um, she, she's great. She's moving. And uh, so the movement is not only about the gym. Uh, movement is being active. So, yeah, our ancestors, they were like, you had to move to be able to survive. Like, yeah. it was a necessity. Uh, now, <laughs> now it is vice versa. Yes. Our basic needs are covered. We have food, we have shelter. However, we also need to move to be able to survive. Why? There is um, an organism in the sea. It's called sea squirrel, I think. So this thing is like a moving coral and it has a tiny brain. So while it's moving, it has the brain. The brain is active. While this, and when this organism sticks to the main corral, it, start, it starts eating its brain out. And the brain is gone. Really? <laughs> so as soon yeah. as it sticks to the coral, it eats its own brain. As but if it's moving, it's, then it has a brain. It eats its own. Wow. Then it has a brain. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, this sounds like you and I. If we sit around, we eat our own brains. Exactly. It, actually, exactly. it, sounds, like, it sounds like a relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So that's why movement, when you are feeling sad or depressed, movement is the best medicine before you eat your brain out. <laughs> drop the mic i mean that is the best line we've had on the podcast all year long <laughs> i absolutely love that i know but i couldn't agree more i mean movement makes everything better if we're depressed you go for a walk right it's just what a what a beautiful thing what were you going to say? Maybe Miles? that's what to do now. That's the phrase now when you see people standing around doing nothing and they're not moving. You go, hey, what are you doing? Eating your brain? <laughs> <laughs> but I but I agree. I think it's so true. I think like if we don't move, we just uh, we're we're stagnant, right? Things aren't things aren't functioning. And I think a lot of what you talked about uh, early on, and I know you deal with with a lot of your clients, is this idea of pain. Pain is the signal, right? Pain just tells us it's time to create some sort of action. Well, there's a there's a direct um, alternative correlation. I, I I'm blanking on the name between the pain receptors and movement receptors, right? So as pain mm -hmm. as movement increases, our movement receptors go up. As we move and we increase our movement receptors in the nervous system, the pain receptors go down. And so we have this inverse relationship. That's the terminology I was looking for. So we have this inverse relationship between those two things. And uh, the more we move, 
the less pain we have. And I've also observed, I don't, I've, I'm not telling you that there's any scientific research that I've seen from this, but I've also observed with clients in my own life, the more I move, it's not just that I have less physical pain. So I think that's the line of the day though, like eating your own brain. We yeah. are eating our brain if brain. we're moving around. Yeah. So yeah, coming back to our ancestors, living, uh, moving like the gut. Yes. So we are now, <laughs> we, uh, they had to move to be able to be alive. And we have to move, move also to be able to be alive. Because if we don't move, our brain will shut us down. Because brain uh, needs, uh, it, it's a very, very energy consuming uh, instrument, our brain. Mm -hmm. It consumes a lot of energy. So if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. Um, and, and brain needs fuel. Fuel for our brain is oxygen, glucose, and movement. These three are like glucose and uh, oxygen. They are like more like the nutrition components and the movement is the activation component for our brain. We need to fuel our brain. I think uh, so, that still gets missed in, in this day and age, which we think about all the great technology that we have. And I still think people forget that movement is critical to brain health. I mean, think back to uh, uh, Bobby Fisher, who was a uh, world-renowned chess player. And he found that he was a better player if he would go lift weights right before he would uh, go into a, a tournament. So oh, yeah. brain functioning uh, is directly tied to our movement. I'm a big, big believer just from an observational standpoint uh, in watching clients as they have progressed and evolved over the years, the more they move, the smarter they become, uh, more emotionally stable and balanced they become. Uh, they just, they, they movement is the key. If you want to know where do I start, start from moving. You start moving, your chemistry changes inside, you're going to start eating better. You start moving, your brain chemistry changes. You're going to start feeling better. Your emotions will be better. Your mind will be better. They're just like movement is the number one catalyst that people have got to do. Is that how we become gods yeah. of movement and not eat our brain? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I, I would I would also like to comment uh, uh, what you said about coaches, that nowadays anyone with a good-looking uh, physique can become a coach. So I would suggest to people who listen to us, Please try different coaches. Yes. Don't just jump and buy the package of 10 or 20 trainings. You will be, you might, you might, or you might not regret this. Right. Because you need to see the coach in action. And trust me, for example, uh, you to be able to say, wow, this pizza is divine. You need mm -hmm. to try different pizzas in different places. Yes. Yeah. you would not spot this from the from only one place you need to try even if your pizza was divine you need to try the 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 the, the options which are not so delicious as your pizza to understand wow i was so lucky my pizza was divine yeah let right. me go back to my usual place so it's okay to try different cultures it is okay. Only by trying and working out with different coaches would you know the difference. 
only only like this. Have only you been looking at my child. Facebook page with all the because I just started making pizzas? <laughs> <laughs> I just started I making pizzas. I made one yesterday. I made one today, yesterday, the day before, and tonight I'm gonna make a white pizza. I bought all these new toys. I've been experimenting with pizza. I've been watching TV shows yeah. about pizza. So I figured yeah. you've been following me or something. So did, we just need to know, yeah. you, do you have divine pizza? That's, yeah, that's how I, I experiment literally with my own movement. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a, it's an amazing point you make, Irina. And I think that uh, it, it's not even just about coaches because it's about learning the coaches, but also trying coaches who teach different modalities. Um, I look back on all the coaches that I've had, you know, and, and someone asked me one time, they're like, well, you're a, you're a fitness professional. Why would you hire a coach? I said, because I want to be the best. Like, and in order to be the best, I have to learn from the best. And I think to myself, okay, I've trained with, uh, two Mr. Olympias, I've trained with a natural Mr. Olympia. So from the bodybuilding world, I've got, you know, great, uh, coaches that I've had. I've trained with physical therapists. I've trained with people who are in uh, post-rehabilitative work. I've trained with phenomenal strength coaches, phenomenal uh, nutritionists and dietitians. I've worked with great trainers and I've worked with great Pilates and yoga instructors. Um, I've trained with Tai Chi, with meditation, uh, Zazen meditation, uh, standing meditation. I mean, you name it. Like I've had so many different coaches over the years. I can't even count the number of coaches and every single one of them taught me something new. Now, I think if somebody's looking to get a coach, that's going to help to guide them on their evolutionary path, a great coach will also implement things and from other people. I've, I know a coach is a great coach if they say, Hey, I can do this, but I would also recommend you go see so-and-so. And that to me is a great coach. So yeah. several modalities, several different coaches, but if you've got one great coach that pushes you in a few different areas, that's the coach you need to go back to. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, um, uh, I'm sure those are not your <laughs> final coaches that you will be upgrading yourself and learning more and more. Yes. And yeah. you know what? I I had a, a, a member of our wellness club and he approached me and he's like, oh my God, I know that coach. Uh, she's a yoga teacher, but she is training with you on Pilates. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, oh, yes, she is training with me on Pilates. And let me tell you that I, as a coach, I also need a coach. I love um, someone training me because although I'm good, but sometimes I can't see what uh, an expert and a professional can see and spot, you know. Right. And I, I told this member, I would be very worried if a coach is just by himself, never uh, learns anything, never uh, works with someone else, never shares his experience. It's uh, for me, it, that's a red flag. Yeah. Because it, it means he is uh, stagnant in his mm -hmm. uh, evolution. Like he is not evolving. 
he just uh, took the education and he's like the, um, implementing the old base that he knows, the old knowledge. He is not evolving. And the second red flag is that he is into himself. Like, yes. how could you not see the world around you? And I can't agree with you more. I have had yoga teacher. I have learned from yoga teachers, from personal trainers, from strength coaches, from Pilates instructors, you name it, as you said, physiotherapists, rehabilitation specialists, uh, like breathing specialists. They, they all um, helped me to become what I am now. Yeah, we pick up a lot from everybody else. And I think that's a great, yeah. uh, great point about the red flag. If the person doesn't learn from and, and get coaching from other coaches, all they care about is themselves. I don't really care what, what they try to tell you otherwise. Like if you're not learning from other people, you don't really care about your clients at the level that you could. Because every single person that I have coached with they taught me something that I was able to then take to my clients and help to open a door towards their evolution. So if I just thought, oh, I'm going to train myself, well, I've got nobody bouncing ideas off of. I've got nobody, you know, correcting me when I'm when I'm wrong. Uh, I, it's just a, it's a horribly self-centered way to uh, uh, to be a coach. Irina, I know that we've, uh, we've covered a lot of amazing topics for our listeners, but I want to talk just a little bit about you. I want to go through a few questions about your growth and your evolution, um, because I, I'm fascinated by you and what you do to continually grow as a professional. Um, what is it that you're doing consistently to tap into your innate creative power? Um, first of all, the fascination is mutual. I'm also fascinated <laughs> by you. Thank and you. the more, uh, the, the more, uh, you know, like uh, the first uh, uh, podcast, um, there was a connection. And the more I follow you on Instagram, the more I connect with you and Miles, because um, we share the same values, like we the do. family, the yeah. drive, right. evolving, um, beautiful movement, to name a few. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's pretty, it's fun, right? It's fun when you find people where, you know, we, I always say when you, you have to become a more evolved person through evolving your body, mind, and soul, then you find your tribe because when you become more evolved, your tribe just shows up. And one day you just showed up in my, uh, I, I think it was in my LinkedIn feed. And I was like, Oh, interesting. What does she do? And I reached out and now there's like this instant connection across the world. The, the, all three of us are, um, yeah. you know, similar values. So anyway, what do you talk, talk a little bit about how you consistently are tapping into that innate creative power. Uh, last year, my creative power has been a bit low, uh, because I've been dealing with a lot of like emotional issues because I am Ukrainian and my family was, uh, is, is still in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a period last year from March to September where I could not talk to my mom at all and my grandma. So um, like that, that, that took a toll on me, like emotion, emotionally and creatively. So I like 
I was in my own shell. And now I'm coming with, um, now that I have my strength back, I can talk to my mom, my grandma, I feel better, it's all better. (laughs) I am more um, present on my Instagram, on my Instagram stories about educating people. And um, I I took a course on uh, social media, um managing and marketing Mm. so and what uh the idea that i love one of the lessons that i loved um um, that was said there is that the things that are obvious to you are not obvious to many people oh interesting things are that are obvious to you as a coach are not obvious to other people Mm. it's to for example, to you and me, progressive overload is obvious, yeah? If, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to become stronger, then we think progressive overload. Or, for, for example, if someone is in pain and something is not working, for example, hips, yeah? Let's do ankle mobility. That's not obvious for the majority of people. Right, right. So it's like... Um, now I'm discovering new creative ways to, to, to explain the same basic stuff and not, you know, not to burn out. I love <laughs> you that. have to be very creative for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like, I really like how you talk about that. The creativity is something that you're pulling into your business through social media. You know, I, I think, uh, a fixed mindset that a lot of people have is if they don't know how to play a musical instrument or they don't feel like that they can draw or paint well, then they say, well, I'm not creative. As if those are the only two ways to create. I absolutely love how you say, you know what? I'm using my creativity in, in the business space. I also want to recognize the uh, challenges. You know, I mean, um, when we have challenges, it's uh, it's difficult to be uh, creative because we've got, uh, you know, we've got some things that are taking up a lot of mental space and, I uh, I know we went back and forth uh, several times over the past uh, year or so, and I'm very happy to hear that uh, you can continue to connect with your your mom and your grandma. I know that was a scary time for a period of time. That was uh, Miles. I think reached out to me when uh, the war broke out and said, "Hey, have you uh, have you sent a message to Arena? Have you talked to her?" And uh, I I can't even imagine what you went through. I mean, I know we've kind of messaged back and forth here and there, but, uh, what a, what a tragic and horrific thing to, to see, uh, to know that people are going through and then to have experienced it from the situation that you're in, where you didn't even know what was going on. You didn't know if they were safe or, and then even if you knew that they were safe, you still couldn't talk to them. What a, what a difficult time. Yeah. 21st century at the worst. It just, uh, at a certain point, you know, I, we do the evolve podcast primarily to help individuals evolve because I think that's where we can make a difference. Uh, as people evolve their body, mind, soul, and tribe, I think that that, uh, uh, can make an impact on the world, but it also highlights the reality that, uh, we have not evolved as a human race in some ways. And we still think that, uh, you know, going to war over something is, is going to be a, uh, a way to get results that is the best way. 
or I don't, I don't know. The fact that that's an option is not an evolved way of thinking and believing and living. And so uh, I'm not saying we can make a difference there, but uh, hopefully 100 years from now, 50 years from now, whatever, our ancestor or our children uh, and our progeny can can look back and say, well, these guys became more evolved uh, little by little, and then they came together as a human race tribe to evolve past the wars and the things that happen. So, yeah, or to, to agree or disagree on different uh, topics in a different way. You know? Yes, yeah. And that's that's what humans should be able to do, right? We should be able to understand that we are all different and we have different opinions and it's okay to agree and disagree in ways that don't create conflict in, in that way. So I appreciate you sharing uh, uh, both of those things. Um, talk a little bit about what you're most proud of right now. I am most proud of getting myself back and the stronger, more stable version of me. <laughs> Miles, does it sound familiar to you? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> She's asking if the stronger, more stable version of herself, does that sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? Yeah. Does that so mean like to me? Yeah. yeah. A stronger, stable version? More stable version of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's amazing how the challenges that we go through, um, while yeah. we don't necessarily love them during that time, they help us to create more stability because it kind of it shines a light on parts of the soul that might be a little bit uh you know, things are hidden in the dark or it kind of bangs around inside the soul and says, Hey, this challenge is refining you. So I think, um, I, what a great answer. I think if people just learn how to reframe the word challenge and just turn it into something fun, you know, you and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago where, yeah, you know, I always say, whatever you screw up with early in your life, you've actually given, given yourself a new toy later in life. So yeah. go out and play with yeah. it. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're basically, I think this whole podcast uh, is about Erin and talking about, hey, you still have your body. Go out and have fun with it. Yep. Go yeah. learn how to move. Go how to learn how to move yeah. efficiently. You know, yeah. don't take yep. for granted that you can walk. Like pay attention to your walking. <laughs> exactly exactly you can tell a lot of things of, uh, by the way how the person is walking you know yeah, i had this really cool experience the other night i went out at about two o'clock and i was walking and you know and just a small town so nobody is out and i'm walking as slow as possible but then instead of thinking about walking i kept thinking i'm on a planet I'm just walking on a planet <laughs> and, and the whole perspective just changed. And I was, I'm walking on earth and I was and walking. The planet really is rotating and that planet is, yep. sh you know, shooting through yep. the universe. Yeah. It's a wild. That's planet. right. And, and, and I reframed it and it felt very different. Yeah. Very different. So that's, I think that's what we're getting at is like, you have this marvelous instrument, go out and use it. Yeah. Don't hit your brain. Right. Don't eat yes. your brain. <laughs> Don't eat your brain. 
Irina, last question that I have for you. Um, you've, you've been through, I would, I mean, I'd imagine probably 99 plus percent of the people who listen, who are going to listen to this episode have not been through what you went through in the last year. Um, I, I know that the war has affected a lot of, uh, a lot of people, but several of the people that listen to us, just knowing where our demographic is, are not going through what you went through. And I would love for you to share a bit of wisdom as you have evolved over this past year, what advice would you give to other people? Uh, regarding what? So how regarding their, their personal evolution and dealing with challenge, I'm sorry, I didn't, I asked that question horribly. <laughs> you, <laughs> how, how, if someone is going through difficulty, if someone mm -hmm. is going through challenge, what have you learned mm -hmm. that you would like to pass on to them? I learned that um, you, first of all, know your values. Mm. Know what your values in life are. Because your, your values are your support system. I never could imagine my family is one of my strongest support systems. It was just there, it was taken for granted. And the moment it was taken off, uh, I, I, felt, I, I felt shaken, like my whole stability got shaken as an individual, as a professional, you name it. So, and then I had to rely on something else. I had to rely, for example, on my work. I had to rely um, on the, uh, my friends. Yes, um, I had to rely on the members of the wellness club where I was working. I had to rely on like my education, on myself. I had to rely on myself more. So when you know your core values, then it's easier for you to, to go through any challenge. Like if one of the support systems is taken out then you know what else you can rely on and beautiful perspective and that's where like we don't really think about um, our support systems unless something happens yeah like i, I want to ask miles here miles uh what was your biggest support to go through this surgery recovery process? Miles? Oh, you're on mute, I think. Oops. You said my biggest support? Yeah. Yeah, what was your biggest support to, which helped you to overcome the challenge, the surgery? Because this is not an easy thing. This is not a, this is something very challenging. Yeah, I had my, uh, I had my brother come out and then when he left, my sister came out. And then, and then after she left, my ex-wife and her husband um, pretty much would always just check on me. And that was my support system, like family. Family. Yeah, yeah, it was family. And and you know, and family extended to people in the community who, uh, you know, they 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 thought I was going to be down and out for cooking, so they would cook for me and drop by and bring food. But um, I was up 
and and about pretty quick. I was pretty much on my feet after three days of the after three days of the surgery. I was up on my feet uh, in the kitchen, um, struggling to cook. There was, there was something about uh, it, it, in the back of my mind. I kept thinking, I gotta stay alive. And how do I stay alive? I go cook. <laughs> so yeah, cooking cooking was also helping you out. Cooking is one of your like strength and support systems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. When you cook, you feel good. Oh yeah. 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 Especially when I'm learning new things in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. When I'm learning new things, it's it's like magic. Yeah, it's amazing. I, and I love that answer, uh, Arena, where you, when you understand what your values are and what your support system looks like, then you will tend to invest more into those. And that's one of the most important things to, uh, to continue to move past challenge into a greater level of evolution. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, Arena Ivanchenko, for joining us today and my co-host, W. Miles Riley. Uh, Arena, for our listeners who have not uh, followed you at this point or they might be finding this episode for the first time, where is the best place to follow you? The best place to follow me is Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. You are <laughs> I'm everywhere. also on YouTube. <laughs> and Snapchat, I'm everywhere. Yeah. Great. And we will link, uh, we will put links to uh, Irina's social media in your, or in the show notes here. Uh, I highly, highly recommend. I know I say this to go follow our guests, but uh, I, Irina is someone that is in my feed constantly because she puts out such great content. I learn so much from watching what she puts out and it really just sparks um, inspiration, motivation, and some education too. I mean, uh, when, like I said earlier today with the uh, soccer player analogy, that made me double down on my hip mobility so that as I went into this snowboard season, it was even better. So I want to thank you because, uh, you know, you helped me to have a better snowboarding season. So, uh, again, arena, thank you so much for joining us. It's, uh, always great to talk and, and, uh, we, we would love to have you back on in the future as well. Uh, so remember, folks, that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. Now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. And if you haven't done so, please give us a rating. As an independent podcast, it really helps us get more reach. This podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves. Please check out our coaching services at evolve-cast.com or pick up some of our Evolve merch. Until next time, keep evolving.